So just before I was ready to take your call. I, I, I also have a cold open, but you do yours first. Just before I was about to take the call, um, I'm alone in the house with two dogs, so I have to keep all the doors open to stop them from crying in the re- in the place you're, that I'm recording. You're not alone, Steve. You've got two dogs. I wish I had two dogs. I'm the one who's alone. <laughs> sure, I've got a loving girlfriend and, man- and a loving family and lots of friends, but I don't have any dogs, so I'm truly alone. But continue. This is true. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, you see, there's downside to this as well, because oh. one of them is a puppy who knows that he's tall enough to get onto the table. Oh. So I heard a... I heard a hop up onto his favourite chair and then ham nam nam went in the fucker had grabbed a piece of garlic bread from last night's <gasps> dinner off the table was tucking oh, in oh doggy garlic breath so I was like no no bad dog because I very rarely actually get to catch him doing something wrong right. and I don't believe there's any point in trying to explain to a dog afterwards yeah, <laughs> which they, a lot of people seem to do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why are you annoyed at me at this specific time but obviously he knew what he had done yeah, so exactly. he's been put into doggy solitary confinement his cage oh, no. so I have to go let him out because he's starting to bark and he, that'll disrupt the recording so two secs okay go oh, for it And my, did you get that? yes I, I heard <laughs> are you there Steve? you gone? okay listeners just you and me um, my idea for a cold open is that uh, Steve forgot my birthday yesterday and so I'm going to call him out on it so um, now you know what's about to happen and uh we could we could enjoy this moment together. I'm a bad friend. Okay, he's released now. Hopefully, they'll settle. Mm. Um, the best part about it, though, when I was giving out to Hercules, mm-hmm. Ted thought I was giving out to him and looked really sad. Oh, so you're like co-parenting? <laughs> yeah, but I was like, no, no, I was like rubbing Ted while simultaneously pointing my finger and shouting at her. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> but I had to do something. You can't get away with jumping on the table and eating bread. Well, you know what, Steve? You're not such a perfect person yourself. Well, he's not a person. He's a dog. Well, you know, I'm just saying we all have our faults and, you know, we all need to acknowledge our faults. And uh, I think just this brings, me, this brings that... me, Steve, to my cold open. Uh-huh. Now, I've already, while you were away, I already had a whispered conversation with the listeners, so they know what this is about, but you don't. Oh, for fuck's sakes. <laughs> Steve, did you, That's... um, did you forget something, Steve? Um, Is there uh, something you forgot? I don't know. Something maybe important? Maybe someone important? Your birthday? (laughs) Steve. (laughs) Steve. Are you cold over there, Richie? Is it cold? Yeah, it's cold in my heart, Steve. (laughs) It's cold in my heart. I waited up till 11.59 last night by Slack waiting for the little typing animation to come up to get a, a wonderful birthday missive from my friend Steve, from my pod husband. But no, nothing. Whoops. <laughs> it was any consolation, I forgot my own birthday this year as well. <laughs> That's and actually, I nearly forgot. I think I, got, I just got in under the wire with your birthday. I think yeah. I had like an hour like, and a half left or something. <laughs> Uh, but that, well, actually, but that, that in 90 my, in, minutes I can lord those 90 minutes over you now in terms of social capital yeah well if anything I, I, I think I half remembered yesterday but then I was like oh no I thought his birthday was like on the 22nd so if I say something now it'll be much too late <laughs> but I would have been in the right you would have been fine damn it but you know what we wouldn't have had this wonderful cold open do you know what I blame Mark Zuckerberg because I used to rely on him and his service for all the birthdays yeah me too and now I don't really use that service so much and I think it's made me ironically a less good friend to a lot of people (laughs) you could probably argue that I wasn't that good of a friend to begin with I guess but you used to you used to put a picture of something and then we'd recognise okay so your birthday's on the 25th of October and that's going in my permanent calendar forever oh I'm glad I'm glad fucking like what eight years of friendship later I finally earned that pride pride of place in your calendar my birthday isn't even there <laughs> I have to remember to check what other peop- important people's birthdays are <laughs> well, you know what you know what your birthday present to me can be a good episode of what I'm politics oh. roll the theme music we're screwed <laughs> Repeats after one year. Richie, how long do you think you're going to live? How many occurrences do I have to put in this, this uh, in for? What, where are we now? What, what year is it now? 2019. 2019. To be honest, Steve, 
the way I'm going currently, I'll be lucky if I see it through to Christmas. So <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put it down as five and then we'll check after that. Yeah, do, let's do that. Let's do a rolling update. Check in with me every year and I'll tell you how I'm feeling for the following year. Oh, right. And then it can be like a day that's like um, tied into something that happened to you at this particular time. Yeah. yeah. Once a year. Good. That yeah. would be, oh, fuck, that's a great idea. That's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. we should, Hallmark, the cards are, birth, are not birthday. It's, are you still alive? And do you expect to be alive again for another year? Yeah, please fill out the attached form and return it's, to me. It's much more efficient. Yes, exactly. We're not into sentimentality in this. This is the new social network. Fuck off, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get to it. I have to fly. I'm flying out today to New York. So can we, let's, let's burn through this episode really quick. But, you know, good quality and all that shit. But I haven't, yeah. I'm looking, I'm literally looking down at my empty, my empty suitcase. And I've got, uh, I can send you a picture of this. I've got one pair of underwear. <laughs> In my suitcase, that's all I pack currently. Oh, wow. what a party you're expecting. I know, <laughs> that's all I need in New York, just one change of underwear and I'm good to go. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my God, you're going to be the fucking underwear guy that plays on Times Square. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, but... Much skinnier, pastier, paler. less ripped. <laughs> uh, I would argue my underwear is nicer, but um, Wait, that's about all I got going for me. I don't have a cowboy hat. I've got one of those little hats with the tiny propellers on it. <laughs> I made a short film called Propeller Head after them hats. Did you? Yeah. I think we talked about this. Probably. Okay. Well, I link it in the description. It's on YouTube anywhere. Uh, no. Okay. Never search for it ever. <laughs> Propeller. Damn it. Head. <laughs> Ah, Ted Herc's licking my feet. Propeller head. YouTube. Show results for propeller head. Uh, take over. None of these are you. None of these are my friend Steve. Mm, well, I'm not None of these are my former friend Steve. <laughs> I'll, I'll do a proper... Um, I'll look on the dark web after we finish recording because I assume that's where it is. Mm. Okay, well, let, 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 should we get into it? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into it. So what's up first? News. News. Oh God, so, okay, so before we get into it. Uh, you've, been, you've been living in a fucking vacuum for about two months. This, I've been living in a so uh, I don't know if I've talked about this particular production, but Secret Cinema are doing Stranger Things, and I've been basically living on the set of our new Stranger Things set. What's and, the name uh, of the, the alternate reality that you go into in that? The Upside in Stranger Down. Things? You're in the Upside Down. I basically am. I'm living it, and so like... Uh, Stranger Things is set in the 80s, so I've been living in the 80s, like 12 hours like a day. You look like vagina face monster now. Basically, yes. Uh, so I've been there and I've, I've been familiarising myself with 80s news because we're trying to flesh out the world. Um, but fictional 80s news that didn't actually happen. So, Donald Trump featured a lot. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, I did, yeah that's, I, I, there's so much stuff I want to talk about, but I can't because the show hasn't launched yet. But mm. post-launch, we'll talk about some certain things. Um, so yeah, I, I have no idea what's going on. Also, please come to Stranger, Secret Server Plans, Stranger Things. Um, I'll put a link to tickets in the show notes. Try and say that again, because I think you went Secret Server Stranger Things. Hey, look, all the letters were there. They might not have been in the right <laughs> order, but they were all... I'm so tired. I'm so tired. I worked you, a 12-hour shift on my birthday yesterday. I got home really late and just... No. Yeah, anyway. But there was a little, there was a little dog called Chip in the um, art department. Uh He's a little sausage dog and he has, because it's a construction site currently, you have to wear high-vis and hard hat. Chip has his own high-vis and hard hat. That's very adorable. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. I think I seen him like wrapped up in a towel. Was it chilly? That was, yeah, that was, um, it was a little cold, but I wanted, I wasn't trying to keep him warm. I was just trying to make him look like an old Russian lady. (laughs) All right, yeah, as you do. uh, Yeah, got it. (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Uh, Yes. Can uh, can you hear uh, Hercules is desperate to be taken out for a walk and he's doing his uh, cry breathing? I can't. Herc, Hercules, shut up. Do you want to let him in? He is in. Oh, is he? Oh, jeez. Oh, we're doomed. This is the best I can do. We're doomed. May as well just give him a mic in his own headset and at least like, let him be, you know, like good quality audio of him whining rather than... Hercules! Herc! Herc! This is, such a, this is such a good political podcast. Hercules, stop chewing your paw. Great political podcast. Okay. Dog has been placated. He he does the thing where he chews his paw and then he stops and like looks at me as if like it's my fucking paw. I can do what I want. I mean, it is his body. Yeah. Anyway, news. news. Catch me up on everything that I've missed. Uh, well, it's mostly catch ups of stuff that we've talked about already, except for two things. So, impeachment. That's what catch up is. Okay. Cool. Go. <laughs> impeachment. Oh yeah, way to go for the great episode for your birthday, Steve. <laughs> 
<laughs> Impeachment is still going on. Um, mm. The Democrats are still holding committee hearings in the House to try and investigate before they actually go ahead and have a vote on impeachment. And it's actually starting to look a little bit dodgy. So I think before... I would have came down with the 100% absolute belief that this wasn't going to go anywhere because the Republicans in the Senate wouldn't back it. Mm. Um, people are starting to get a little bit nervous in the Trump White House. Uh, some some Republicans are like, oh, don't speak for us because um, the Mitch McConnell, the leader of the Republicans in the Senate, tried to basically preempt any impeachment thing by having like a censure of the House by saying it's silly DB even having impeachment. And then some Republicans were like, no. No, we're okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go through this process. Oh. So, so yeah. Oh, interesting. The, so in the, the White House, there's a lot of people like uh, grabbing their collars by their next finger and just like... Yeah, because there was a couple of uh, testimonies that were in secret, but got released afterwards because that's how these things work. <laughs> so not secret. Not secret. Secret for like <laughs> minutes. <laughs> they had a secret live Twitch stream. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. The title was, do not watch secret meeting happening. Look over I worked, there. <laughs> I, worked my, I watched my first Twitch stream during the week and never watched one before. Um, I don't was, think I've ever watched one. I, I just it, know it exists. It was Limmy. You know Limmy, the Scottish comedian? Limmy? Yeah. No. Oh, you should check him out. He's brilliant. I hope I got his name right. I think I did. Hey, uh, Steve. Yeah. Steve. Great birthday episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you all the fucking birthday stuff. You're just right. firing on all cylinders. It's great. <laughs> it's early in the morning. There are dogs <laughs> annoying me. And it's I fine. Got, Go for it. No, you're, got you're doing great. This isn't sarcasm. This is all great stuff. Emotional blackmail from my pod husband. <laughs> Don't you know that this is like the husband part has the male inability to do th- relationships correctly? Yeah, but we That's, both have that. So. I know. <laughs> so neither of us can hold it over to the other. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so the impeachment thing is ongoing. It looks like it's not as solid for Donald Trump as he thought it was because there's a lot of people testifying that he may have done pretty shitty things like, oh, absolutely quid pro quo in terms of stopping... Ukraine from getting aid, um, which is a normal U.S. military thing in exchange for Ukraine investigating Joe Biden. So it's not good. No. And Hercules definitely doesn't think it's good. Yeah, you heard his big yawn there, didn't you? (laughs) I thought you sat on him, but continue. He's moving closer towards me. I didn't even hear him move and now he's right behind me. Oh God, it's so freaky. Hmm. I got the alien Hercules dog. Um... What's going to happen next in that? Who really knows? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I certainly don't. Speaking of who knows what's going on, it's Brexit. And to be honest, even though you don't know what's going on, I bet you you can probably sum up what's going on as, as accurately as anybody else. Uh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what that sound was. So they, Boris Johnson got a deal. Um, he took it back to the House of Parliament. They have technically approved it, but haven't fully approved it because they're like, okay, we will agree to look at this deal, but we want much more time than you're willing to give us. So then Boris Johnson went, no, and threw down his card because it would have meant he wouldn't get out on the 31st of October. Which he's been pretty militant about. Do or die. Yeah. It looks like uh, that's absolutely going to be extended. Right. So what? Um, how much? first of all, how much time was he looking for and how much time are he, they looking for? He said he didn't want an extension because right. he sent he sent two letters to the European uh, European Union look for an extension. One was that he was obliged to look for because of the Hillary Benn Act, and the other one was him basically saying, "I don't think we should have an extension. We mm. should get we should get this deal done in time." So when you the, say sends letters, they're not like real snail mail letters because that feels like not a good use of time in a very very. <laughs> Oh, they absolutely are. So like the one that he sent that he actually sent that he signed was like, Dear uh, Junker, I was very glad to have met you the other day. It was a lovely time. Did you see the latest episodes of Stranger Things on Netflix? Did you know that we're doing on a secret cinema show in this city? It's going to be really good. Oh, by the way, could we not have an extension? I don't really want one. Okay, thanks. Bye. And that gets sent over in paper. It probably gets taken over by a courier. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, it is actually like a, a physical mail. It's like, well, it's a legal document between two countries. You True. can't really, like, I, I suppose there is things like secure send and stuff like that that you could do, but Perhaps at the same time. Is. Yeah, but I mean, we all know the internet isn't actually safe. The, the Junker and Bars can have a private Instagram that they both share the logins to, and they just post stories. Yeah, but we all know that the in, Instagram login is going to be Belgian boobs, so. With a, with a Z. With a Z, yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely. Yep. So, uh, what were? Could you want, do you have any specifics on the deal, like the uh, Barca's deal? Um, like quick bullet points. Yes, uh, most importantly, it is the same deal that Theresa May nearly signed back in 2017 um, that would be a border down the Irish Sea that would separate Northern Ireland from the rest of the United Kingdom um, to keep it in line with uh, the European Union and the Republic of Ireland so there wouldn't be a border here. Okay. And the DUP, the Northern Irish Unionist Party, are like, fuck no! They're not happy. Um, So that means that Boris Johnson has to ask for help from Labour renegades, which it looks like he has, but it's just that they're not willing to allow the deal to be forced through. So that's why we have to go for another extension. And what would that extension take us up to? Um, Well, the European Union are thinking about bringing it up to the 31st of January, but they actually delayed making that decision until... It'll be the day before this episode is released, so it might be done by then. But Macron actually says, I don't want to give him extension. I'm fucking sick of this shit. Can we not yeah. talk about something else except for brec- uh, breakfast? Brexit. <laughs> he, the poor man's very hungry. He's very, oh, my God. Well, I mean, croissants are not a good breakfast. I'm sorry. They're delicious and all, but they're not filling. And they're just all butter. It's just, all have, butter. You ever seen, have you ever seen them get made? It's just all butter. And I guess there's a little bit of flour in there or something, maybe. And there's 127 folds or something like that. It goes yeah. on forever. Yeah. They're like, the, the, the Frank Bakers, French Bakers are like meditative monks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's, I don't really know what's going on in Brexit and I, I expect it to continue going on forever. I mean, I like in 200 years, there'll be this weird ceremony where the occupants of the former United Kingdom of Great Britain and Nerdy Nerdy will go in a secret ceremony to the great chamber of Brussels and get do something. And everyone's like, why do we do this every year? I don't really remember. <laughs> but they've all got silly hats and stuff. Like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, they have that anyway. Yeah, that's true. Sillier propeller head uh did you hear about the doll voting shenanigans that have been going on no uh did it take place in 1980s hawkins indiana (laughs) i thought hawkins was the name of the sheriff that's hopper Um, you fucking idiot just because you're surrounded by this thing doesn't mean the rest of the world has to be that's what that's what i have to remind myself when i'm like oh what do you think about impeachment someone's like huh i mean they're not my favorite fruit but that's (laughs) easy like um, no, no, I, did, no, I didn't hear about the doll voting shenanigans. What, what happened? They're calling it voting gates or button oh, gates because I'm so sick of gate being everything is gates. scandals. The only one I like is um, what's your man, John Oliver? Is that the name of the American guy that's on HBO on Sunday nights? The English guy who's on English guy, yeah, yeah. Uh, he calls everything to do with Trump's stupid Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, but all the other gates, I'm sick and tired of them. Um, yeah. yeah, it's so. It happened that that uh, uh, Fianna Fáil TD, who are the main opposition party, was caught leaving the 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 parliamentary chamber to go take a phone call. And while he was gone, a vote was actually registered in his spot and his on his behalf. So someone noticed that the guy that was sitting beside him leaned over and pressed the button <gasps> to, to vote for a, for a piece of legislation, which is a big no no because yeah. you're, supposed to, you're supposed to be in the chamber. And um, and then oh, for God's sake, this dog, <laughs> Hercules. I'm talking politics. Yeah, we don't know. He could be talking politics too. Well, he's probably making the same noises that most people hear us making. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's very representative of the um, the fuckers who give us one star and call us fascists on iTunes. <laughs> anyway, uh, Votergate, uh, Voting Gate, whatever the fuck they're calling it. Um, mm. So it turned out that this has been going on an awful lot more often than people had realised. No way! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so all the journalists and also um, opposition parties, all the other parties were trying to catch each other by looking back in the videos, checking the voting records and seeing if they could identify if if the uh, the relevant TDs were in the spots. And so like, oh, my God, we nearly caught Re- uh, Minister Regina Doherty. Oh, she's not there. Oh, no, wait, no, there's her foot in that angle. She is oh. there. <laughs> are those her shoes? Someone check if those are her shoes. <laughs> That's hilarious. So, yeah, it's it, it like, I mean. Technically, it's not a big deal because they would have voted that way anyway. They were just kind of like bending the rules to suit themselves. But at the same time, it's still pretty dodgy. I mean, it's just like, here, I'm going out for a fag. Do you mind slapping yes on this while I'm away? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's got, yeah, it just kind of shows you we don't really take the whole governance thing too seriously here in Ireland. (laughs) No, no. Uh, You have down here some about migrants. Oh, oh, please tell me you heard about this one. the, The dead bodies in the freezer truck. No. Oh, Richie. Oh, dear. Oh, no. I don't want, I, I'm, I'm really, I feel awful that I'm going to be the one that has to explain this one to you. Okay. Um, Birthday podcast of the year. <laughs> uh, let me just make sure I have the correct figures here. So, 
there was a truck found in a lar- uh, in Essex. It was a freezer truck, and uh, they found the bodies of thirty nine people who had frozen to death <gasps> there twelve hours before. Oh my god. They were Chinese nationals. Um, they believe they're Chinese nationals. Um, I think there were there were thirty eight adults and one teenager, uh, mostly male, but a few females in there as well. Oh and my god! They immediately arrested a guy who was from Armagh in Ireland, and it turns out that the the truck itself, like the actual lorry part, was an Irish vehicle driven by this guy who works for himself, and the and the trailer was owned by an Irish company registered in Hungary, and. They're pretty confident that they know that these people were trying to, they were like uh, some some gang was trying to smuggle them into the country, which is apparently quite a common practice. Yeah, there's a lot of like um, indentured, yeah, slaves basically who um, basically yeah who who get in with Chinese gangs to try and you know make a new life somewhere, but they end up coming over here and working in like grow farms, yeah, and shit. Yeah, that's they awful. Just- they suspect it's on that one. Um, there, uh, as more things come out, there's there's Vietnamese families who are saying we were in contact with our relations and we're getting these texts saying, "Oh my god, I can't breathe," and then nothing. So, <gasps> could you please check if they're them? Oh, god. And the reason, yeah, well, I mean, it's absolutely political because these people have to go through these terrible things because of the way the migration system works. Mm. But also, there was a vote in Brussels to to try and um, increase the amount of European Union Navy boats that would be in the Mediterranean to try and stop people from drowning. And it was actually, it, it, it didn't pass by a couple of votes, by like four or five. Oh, and someone pointed out that if the Fine Gael MEPs had actually voted in favour of it, it would have passed, but they didn't. Oh my God. Which is just, I mean, granted there's all sorts of reasons why, like, so the, the, the some of the arguments against putting the navy boats into the Mediterranean to save the people from drowning is that they say that what like once the people are are rescued they get taken back to Europe so the smugglers actually get away with saying oh yeah these people got to Europe and then they keep on sending more boats in and potentially more people will die but equally it's just really really bad taste to try and have a vote to say we are specifically not going to try and save um, migrants' lives when they just come across this lorry full of frozen dead people yeah so yeah it's not going down very well no. Horrific story. Oh my God. Uh, should we get on to the actual subject? Yay! So I can pack more than just one pair of underwear. <laughs> okay. Maybe two pairs of underwear if I'm feeling frisky. Ooh. So what, what are we going to chat about today? Lobbying. Lobbying. Yeah, lobbying. I know next to fucking nothing about lobbying. Yeah, a lot of so people... So much so, I was actually, before we were setting up, I was uh, worrying like, what the fuck am I going to do for the artwork for this episode of Lobbying? Yeah, geez, I don't actually know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. I'm going to edit this like while I'm on a flight... So presumably you'd be doing the artwork at the same time. I've fucking no idea. But anyway, maybe maybe I'll learn more about it from you now and that will help. Wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> so what what I'm lobbying, Steve? Basic definition, lobbying is... Oh, for fuck's sake, sorry, I just Google image lobbying and I'm getting a lot of pictures of hotel lobbies. <laughs> so even Google doesn't know how to visually represent this fucking subject. It's a really vague thing. Even the Wikipedia article, which I definitely don't check first for all information, is really bad. (laughs) So anyway, basic definition is it's the process of asking a political representative to try and make a decision in law in your favor. That I'm I'm lobbying. Play the music. Let's leave. How's our music go? (laughs) (laughs) Not like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ghostbusters, I think, is just like a default background home that's always going in my brain. It seems to be. <laughs> All the national anthems just slowly blend into God save our... Oh, say can you... Just... Richie is actually currently going to New York to uh, join in a psychiatric study to try and figure out why this happens to him. Yeah, it's me and like 12 other people. <laughs> I don't have the same issue. But unfortunately, the doctor is Philip Bankman and it is Bill Murray. So I don't think there's much hope. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, um, yeah, so that so tell is... Me, how, how, did, how did lobbying start? How did people start doing this thing we call lobbying? Well, the term actually lobbying is really interesting because it doesn't sound like it should have anything to do with what I described. Right. But... If you think about it physically back in ye old days and indeed now, when you want to grab a political representative, you can't follow them into the actual voting chamber and whisper into their ear, hey, would you go and vote this way? Thanks. So you have to catch them in the lobby. Oh, there you go. 
so the verb is based after the noun from where it happens. And is that still the practice? Are people still doing this in lobbies? Not really. It's a much ah. more core, like now the practice lobbying comes to refer to the industry that is built up around um, government. Right. So every major capital and city um, on the national level, international level, and then even in like the American state. Galactic cap- level. Oh. <laughs> yes, the galactic. <laughs> Palpatine has to sit there listening to all these presentations from, I don't uh, know. Palpatine. Palpatine, is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was willing to be corrected there, but then you, you back down. Look, I'm I'm Sheriff Hawkins. That's all I know. Oh um, my god! So, yeah, it, it, lobbying refers to the to the practice that actually goes on in terms of professional lobbyists working on companies and special interest groups, perhaps talking to politicians to try and ask them to make laws in their favor. Cool. Or is it cool? Um, uh, no, because it doesn't, prob- it doesn't. It sounds at its core level kind of immoral. Why? Because it's it's um, people's strong biases of vested interests uh, using money to influence people rather than maybe the core principles of the issue. I was trying to think. I was trying to hear if there was a drill going on in the background, but it turns out, no, it's a new category of Hercules interruption. He's snoring. Oh my God. I was trying to, I, I was in the middle of making a very rare, insightful comment. I was, and I've got a nosebleed and it's been ruined. You have a nosebleed? From thinking too hard. No, I don't. It was just me being facetious. <laughs> because you were sniffling as you were saying it. <laughs> well, if I think too hard and try and like be too articulate, I get um, a little mini stroke. <laughs> well, careful about that, Richie. That's why you. De- that's why you delegate out your thinking to me. There we go. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it is technically like that because obviously, whoever can afford to pay for the most resources gets to gets to chain gets gets more lobbying on their behalf. But yeah, at the same it time, seems wrong. It does. But at the same time, there isn't necessarily anything wrong with talking to your political representatives and asking them to change things in your favor because number one, they don't have to do that. It's up to them to come to the conclusion on their own as to what, you know, are they serving their, their constituents best interest and they may decide they are and use the information that was given to them to back it up or they could just disregard it. But yeah, as you say, just be, it, it, because it is the companies with all the money that gets to do mm. it the most, it usually doesn't end up being too great, yeah. which is why... The, it's, it'd be different if these were just like people people having just chats, but when you put corporations with huge budgets into it, it's it's not as simple as just people having chats. No, even though in Ireland it is just as simple as people having chats. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's another thing I guess we'll get to about... It's the lobbying is something that happens everywhere. It happens absolutely everywhere, yeah. Um, yeah. It, at the council level in Ireland, at the, the Dáil level, all the way up to Brussels. Um, obviously, the bigger the bigger the the seat of government, the more important the lobbying is and the more money that's thrown behind it. So needless mm. to say, London, Brussels and uh, Washington, D.C. are the biggest hotspots yeah. for the lobbying industry. So, yeah. So, uh, so, okay, so take me through, like, beginning to end, how does lobbying as a process work? You... Let's say Richie Industries. What do you guys make? Uh, mistakes mostly in bad business investments. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't uh, nailed down what our core product is, but... <laughs> okay, so you guys, um, you're not big enough to have your own uh, lobbying arm, unlike certain, oh God, no. certain companies like uh, Lockheed Martin, the Defence Corporation, or all of the internet companies. So right. you go off and you go to K Street on Washington, and you hire a professional firm of lobbyists to to represent you, like to, to take a campaign. So you can either go, okay, I have enough money to permanently pay you to always lobby on my behalf, or I have a specific campaign. So you made a huge mistake and you want to have a law, a new law to try and reverse it. So you're like, here's my campaign. So you spend your time talking to this lobbyist. They work out using their expertise what the best approach is. So mm-hmm. they'll go, okay, well, we know there's this law coming up that's kind of relevant to you. So we're going to contact the the politicians we know that are writing that law. We will have chats with them, talk to their people, give them loads of information. And also because they are inclined to vote our way anyway, it's very likely that you're going to get listened to. So, okay. So these then, lobbyists are political experts in their own right. Yes. And that's a large part of the problem is that a lot of these lobbyists have expertise 
gained through being in government and contacts, most importantly, actually. So a lot of lobbyists are former Congress people or former mm. MEPs or high level staff for Congress people or MEPs. Who just like kind of it's a revolving door. retire to get yeah. a bigger paycheck. Not even. Thing. Well, you lose like they can lose their elections for legitimate reasons. Just, be, you know, and then they just go, yeah. OK, well. Boo-hoo. I walk across the streets. I go from working on in on Capitol Hill and go to what K Street is the physical location for most of the lobbyists in Washington D.C. Right. So they go from Capitol to K Street, and they just get a they get a job that's much better paid and probably not as much work. Right, but it still requires quite a lot, like a like a ideally a sharp political mind to figure out one the process of how law gets made, and then also the politics of how to bring people around to your idea, or your way of thinking, or Yes, absolutely. It is in itself an inherently political process. It just means, mm. yeah, it's just um, the Richie, the Richie Nolan Charity Foundation that wants to That's help. That's also failing terribly. <laughs> that but wants to help turkeys get an education so they don't have to get eaten at Christmas. Mm. Um, you're not going to have as much resources behind you as uh, Richie Nolan's mistake corpse. So I said corpse there instead of corporation. I am oh, Jesus. Probably, probably relevantly. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that means the Richie Richie Corporation is going to get a lot more attention than the Richie the Richie Charity because they can afford to pay these political operatives to do it. So it's not okay. it's not to say that the political skills are being used in a positive sense or a moral or a, like legitimately political sense. It's just oh well, there you go. You have the money, so you get it done. Cool. Which so is we why people about, aren't happy about it. Yeah, of course not. Um, we'll get a little bit more to that I think later. Um, so we talked a little bit about the money, like the the fact that. When you go and work in lobbying, you get paid a lot better. And we talked about how corporations just throw their money around at these issues through lobbying. So like, to get a kind of like sense of this, help me like understand the sense of the scale of this industry. Are we talking millions, billions, like what, what money is being thrown around? So the official lobbying spends for 2018 I, in America, I checked up the top. So um, the top 20, number 20 came in at 12 million. And no, the, so the top 20, like um, lobbying tw- firms or campaigns or lobbying com- firms. Yeah. But also some of the uh, companies directly spending money on their own lobbying. So Facebook mm-hmm. spends money on lobbying. It doesn't need to have it doesn't hire out a separate lobbying firm. It is its own lobbying firm. It has like a, a team within the Facebook organization that lobbies. Right. So they get counted in this. And they came about 15th and they spent about 15 million. But then at the very top, you had the American Chamber of Commerce, which spent nearly 100 million. And that is a huge, big, broad organization that is made up of loads of sub organizations in the different cities, like the New York Chamber of Commerce or the Chicago Chamber of Commerce or whatever the the Milwaukee Chamber of Commerce. And Mm. the reason that they spend so much isn't necessarily that they're that they're doing it on one particular thing this would be a huge massive web of organization that'd be like okay we're spending we have a team working on this little piece of legislation that has to do with car factories and we have a legislation to do with silicon chips being made over here and we have one about fucking drill bits over here or we have one about um i don't know diamond traders and wherever so that's why that that one encompasses so much and that's why that was so big but then there's also about six or seven of the top 20 companies are all to do with pharmaceuticals and um, there were two or three defense contractors in there as well. Okay. So uh, the only one that looked like it was a little bit nice was um, the George Soros's um, Open Society Policy Center, which is a human rights group. And um, they spent 20 million in 2018. Oh, wow. And their specific, yeah, their thing is to try and change US um, policy to be more pro- pro- progressive and to do more human rights orientated stuff. That was going to be another one of my questions, because in my head, the little I, did, I know of lobbying um, is kind of wrapped up in ideas like big tobacco and the NRA and mm. what you would call, quote unquote, like evil groups. Um, it, it, is it all just bad guys or is it, or is it mo- like what's the ratio of quote unquote bad guys to like that example you just gave there or something that's like a little bit more, you know, charitable? Um, we well, see this is this is the... the it's kind of confusing because if you're Trocra, the Irish charity, and you're going in to ask politicians to change the Irish um, um, foreign aid spending, does that count as lobbying? Because it's not the same as Lockheed Martin going into Washington, D.C. and asking them to build seven more stealth fighters in right. a particular city. But So that's why I am hesitant to compare one and the other because that is more like advocacy. It's it's like um, it's campaigning in, in like a in a 
political sense rather than lobbying, which usually gets referred just to these private corporate clients trying to get things changed on their behalf. Okay, well then let's let, let me reframe the question then. So, is it right to say that lobbying, as you described there, is a practice? The the kind of like the the optics of it, the brand of it, is something that's wrapped up in these these particular types of companies and has like strong negative connotations. Yeah, and that also isn't necessarily fair because the American Chamber of Commerce is not just representing evil corporations. Like, sure. To be honest, if you're making particular kind of drill bits and you want to have standardized regulation to make sure that the drill bits would fit into other companies making similar things, well, then the best way to do that is to try and pay a lobbyist to to influence the legislation on your behalf. And if you're yeah. if you're a, a senator from fucking New York City, you're not going to give a crap about most drill bits, but you still have a vote on it. So mm-hmm. there isn't necessarily anything bad to get a briefing report from a lobbyist saying, this is how we think you should vote on this, because mm-hmm. it doesn't really affect anybody. It's not a bad thing. It's a business yeah. practice, but it is part of the regulation. So, but tied into that, yes, okay, that's, that's, that's fine. That's how that works. But most of the time when you hear about lobbying, it's because it's, Big pharma trying to hike up the prices of yeah, of, yeah, yeah. of medicine, or it's uh, it's it's like the internet companies trying to defend their right to spy on people or something like that. You know, it's it's usually yeah. not good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, yeah, it's probably just like those stories get maybe more more a radio signal. You yeah, know, when NRA are you know perpetuating. Um, well, you see, this is. Of- the NRA, actually, they're an interesting organization. They don't necessarily fit as lobbying because they don't spend much time actually going into into Washington trying to influence how laws are written. They spend most of their time actually picking politicians that they know are already inclined and they support them at the grassroots level. Whereas a lobbying firm on K Street isn't going to try and get involved in helping a politician get elected. Right. But is that is that then a different type of lobbying? Like it's it does I, I would guess it doesn't even really count as lobbying that that's closer again to advocacy. That's like, oh, we are a special interest group that wants to have our kind of politicians elected. Whereas lobbying is the politicians are already elected and we're trying to influence how we want mm. them to vote on a particular issue. So right, yeah, there okay. are times when the NRA will of course take a stance on a big particular issue that they want to see voted their way. But most of what the NRA activity is, is like a grassroots membership level that throws mm-hmm. itself behind particular elections and campaigns to make sure their their guys get elected. I think in 2018, um, pro-gun control uh, lobbying groups, like as an amalgam, outspent the NRA in terms of lobbying budget in 2018. Yeah. Which, but- was, a ni- which was a nice thing to hear. But again, that also again... Uh, to your point, might not make a difference. It's just like a small part of probably their whole strategy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you you might have had these lobby these particular advocacy lobbying groups that are trying to influence how the laws are getting written with already elected politicians, but yeah. they're going to be shouting at deaf ears if the NRA has already put in their politicians that are like, "Don't give a shit. I'm not listening to you." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. Then that's yeah, that's that's part of it as well, and that's why most of the lobbying that goes on is is usually. Like they're pushing on open doors. They're most of the politicians that are elected are pro capitalism and pro industry and regulation and jobs. So mm-hmm. they're going to be totally open to listening to pharmaceutical companies and and defense contractors who have factories building weapons because they're like, oh yeah, well that means jobs in my constituency. So I'm yes, tell me more about this. I'm happy to hear it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, okay, ignore that. Whereas. <laughs> No, I might leave it in. <laughs> okay, that's fine. I just got a brain so, fart there. Yeah, a good fine. idea followed by a. <laughs> I was actually um, thinking about this. Here's a here's a random Simpsons reference I was thinking of. Do you remember the one where they flash back to the the flying hellfish, uh, Grandpa's unit in World War Two, the Second yeah. World War Two. Yeah. Um, do you remember the guy that was like, "Duh, you said you was dead." Yeah. Oh, thanks, Ox. And then it turns out he like he gives a, a perfect, um, concise exp- explanation of the contract that they want to do, but who lives of the last a tontine? A tontine is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, what it is. that's right, Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> great joke. Yeah, I stole it's it. Great joke. I stole yeah. it from that from that very popular cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get to our guest, is do you think is lobbying inherently bad? Yes. All things considered, yes. Yes, all things considered, pushing against open doors, it's totally fine It um, to, to for a company to ask for drill bit regulations, yes. But ultimately, as a massive industry, it is not good. And I mostly I mostly think the problem comes with the fact that, that with the revolving door between people who work in lobbying and people who are working in direct politics. 
So, right. for example, yesterday, Ruth Davidson, who was the leader of the Scottish Conservative Party up until recently, um, she quits as the leader of the Scottish Tories, but she's still sitting in West in, in Holyrood, the, the Scottish Parliament, until 2021. But she took a job with Tolkien Communications, who are a lobbying firm. Oh. While still a sitting MSP. That seems like it shouldn't be allowed. Um. They're, the the Scottish Parliament is like, well, we already have a law in progress that's going to try and stop that. So this right. is just really shitty on her behalf to try and get a couple yeah. of years' money. Um, yeah, that's not good. So they're they're getting so blatant that they're actually taking the jobs in lobbying firms while they're still in Parliament. Fuck. And yeah, it just it isn't good that a particular like a backbench Tory. MP who loses because of a, a national swing, not because of anything bad that they did, but they're like, oh, well, I can just cross the street, go work for a lobbying firm and make twice as much money and then walk back into Westminster because they're entitled to enter the parliaments as a former par- parliamentarian and have right. meetings with all my former colleagues that I know anyway, because I used to drink pints with them after work and mm. lobby them on behalf of, on behalf of um, whatever private practice I'm working for now. Mm. And as you, yeah, fine. It, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing if it was, you know, Richie Nolan's turkey charity coming in trying to help people. But most of the time, it's not. It's Rich, yeah. Richie Nolan's big polluting, evil corporation. I've got to consolidate my business portfolio. I'm just realizing now, as you're listing out all of my business ventures, they are radically all over the place. Uh, so where were we? <laughs> you had just started saying something probably hilarious or important, and then it just went. That doesn't sound like me. Our <laughs> Skype call dropped out. So, God, this is how unprofessional we are. Just one slight hiccup and we're completely thrown. What uh, even? What was the subject we were talking about? Oh, fucking uh, space. That was <laughs> my birthday. <laughs> birthday space. Space day. Space. Space day. Uh, space day. Space we, day. Okay, I think we'd established that lobbying was inherently bad. In my opinion. In your, yeah, and I, I would agree as well. Um, I think that we can say that's a WAP perspective. Ooh. A hashtag WAP, WAP spectre. Oh, gross. You ruined it. <laughs> um, but are there, uh, but is, is, is it just inherently bad? Like, are there any decent alternatives to lobbying? Like, is there any way this industry could be, if not fixed, at least rebalanced somewhat? I didn't think so, but right. I presume you're asking because someone got in touch with us. Yes, that's, I'm trying to do a smooth segue. Yeah, and it's so smooth. It's a slippery, slippery segue. Who are you saying to us? Billy Delancey. Billy Delancey. Billy Delancey of Lobby, Lobby, Lobbyists for Good. L4G, yo. L4G. Uh, he is a super interesting dude who turns out is a listener to the show. Um, hey, Billy. You're probably listening now, Billy. Well, I presume so. If anything, he'd listen to the one that has his name in it. Uh, he, Egomaniac that he is. <laughs> nah, Billy, we love you. You're great. He set up Lobbyists for Good, the first crowdfunding platform that lets everybody hire everyday people hire lobbyists so everybody everybody everyone you people. me well not my us, turkey but, charity uh well yeah but hopefully if you're american citizen just so it's not illegal uh u.s um it's not illegal foreign influence on the u.s political system so stop richie oh maybe stop that's it. why my turkey charity's not getting any traction you also don't uh, have any turkeys look there's a lot of reasons why this turkey charity is not getting any traction okay now's not the time my birthday is not the time to poke holes in it well it's not your birthday because I missed that so meh yeah that's true uh, yeah no Billy was great Billy was a fucking that was, that was such a good conversation uh, there's a really good and we mentioned it in the in the interview but I'll include a link to it in the show notes a um, advice news video on YouTube mm. that uh, shows kind of like a day in the life it's incredibly professional charity. it's very well made so it's everything that you don't get from an episode of What on Politics yeah maybe use it as a palate cleanser for after the interview all right, we play the entry. Go for it. Why did he explode? I don't know. I just make sounds sometimes. I don't know. Thank you so much, Billy, for, for uh, taking our call on a Sunday morning. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, no problem. No problem at all. Uh, generally, when we do these shows, we like to start off with um, asking what am the subject. It's our silly way of kind of getting a bare bones idea of, um, of what we're talking about. So do you mind giving us like a little what am um, about lobbying for good? Yeah, no, we're basically a crowdfunding platform like Kickstarter, or Indiegogo. But instead of, you know, people selling a product, we want to offer people a way to hire lobbyists to get their voice heard and influence government here in the States. 
Um, so everyday people uh, create a campaign, just like you know an, an artist would create a project. And if enough people back that campaign, we'll hire lobbyists and work on their behalf, uh, advocating to Congress. What was the catalyst for starting this off? Was there a particular cause that you thought needed more attention? Well, I think it was just people needed a stronger voice. Um, I'd been in D.C. for a couple of years and um, really kind of understood how things actually get done in Congress. And then there was actually an Onion article, um, you know, the Onion <laughs> satire that said, you know, the American public pools their money and hires lobbyists. And I know it was satire. <laughs> no way. I thought it was a great idea. And um, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. I worked for a nonprofit that did a lot of work in like international development, uh, uh, water and sanitation. And instead of doing like all of these, you know, marches and protests and tweets and letter writing campaigns, we hired a lobbyist, uh, a lobbying firm with that experience and thinking about that idea from The Onion. And I was like, this is something that just needs to be democratized. This is something that needs to be opened up to everybody. Wow. Kind of what got me started. So speaking of those, like those marches and tweets and stuff, uh, we couldn't help but notice a lot of the causes on your platform are really like progressive and ethically motivated in nature, like reducing farm subsidies for animal agriculture or um, increasing federal funding for mental health initiatives. So why should someone pursue change through lobbying like this rather than the usual, you know, marches or protests or tweets or shouting at a senator on the street? Yeah. Well, I think it's easy to be heard. Like you can get anybody to listen to you, but the trick is to try to get somebody to agree with you and then spend their political capital to try to push your cause through. And that's where the lobbyists, in my opinion, come in because you can shout all you want and they'll listen and they want to get reelected. So they're not going to tell you that you're wrong, but they're not going to, you know, really go out and, and, and work for you or push for your cause if they don't really truly believe in it. And so at Lobbyists for Good, we really try to, to make a, a stronger argument than just, hey, we need you to, to, to listen to us and do what we want you to do. We really try to find out exactly what buttons to push based off of the member or senator that we're meeting with. And it just takes, it's such a complicated system. It takes nine years typically to get a bill passed from you know inception to signing by the president, and it, there's so many roadblocks that you have to overcome. There's so many you know insider trading, special interest groups, and you really have to have somebody who knows the system, who knows how to make the argument, who knows you know which members are going to be your champions, which members are going to immediately oppose it, and how to get the ear of that person. I mean, there's just so many moving factors that you really need somebody who's a professional to kind of walk your issue through. Um, and so the groups that do it right, the ones that do the marches also have that um, lobbying presence and not everyone can afford that. So we wanted to make that available to the folks who don't have a giant nonprofit um, kind of working behind the scenes for their cause. So. And has crowdfunding been able to compete with the kind of juggernauts of big business um, and their own lobbying divisions? Like, is it realistic to consider crowdfunding able to compete with something like the equivalent of big tobacco or big oil or big pharma? Yeah, I mean, we're not there yet in terms of money, but um, we have the, the advantage that we have the people on our side. So when you combine the, you know, the, the, the idea that the people are sending us there gets us so much more um, credibility and, and is able us to do so much, have so much more of an impact. That being said, I mean, we really do need to raise you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from small donations to really be able to start making a dent and a, a prolonged, sustained effort. So if you look at our, our crowdfunding platform right now and you see, okay, one campaign's raised $10,000 and, you know, another one's raised seven or eight, that's a great start, but we really do need to um, raise more in order to compete with these, you know, well-funded special interests. But, you know, the, our approach... That, that we have on some of these issues is we try to find something that's a win-win for everybody. So we're not going to, we're not going to uh, create a policy or push for legislation that is going to be immediately attacked by these like multi-billion dollar conglomerates opposing it. We're going to go in and try to make the argument that, Hey, these guys aren't going to oppose it. In fact, they're going to be on our side. So there's ways to, if you're not, you know, super well-funded special interest group, there are ways to make an impact without having that big 
money behind it. Mm. Yeah. People want, I mean, it, it's funny, you know, everyone thinks that it's bought and sold and, and transactional, but, you know, people on the Hill who, you know, are elected officials, they just, they want to be reelected. That's their mm. whole purpose. Um, when they, when they consider a decision is how is this going to help my reelection? And if you can just frame the issue is to, Hey, this is going to help you achieve your goal. And then you can just, you know, get the, the 15 minutes of the staffer's time or the 10 minutes of the member uh, of Congress or the senator, and you make that argument, there's nothing more valuable than a good argument. Um, and so that's that's how we approach it. Um, yeah, we're not going to go up against the, you know, the, the Chamber of Commerce in a policy fight. We'd probably lose. But mm-hmm. we have ways that we can really help make people's voice uh, be stronger. Mm-hmm. Are there any um, initiatives on Lobbyists for Good um, that have had the most success or that you're maybe particularly proud of? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's two. The vegan, um, the, the animal agriculture was, was, I'm proud of that because it was the, the, it worked exactly how I envisioned it to work, which was you had a passionate individual about a cause that's really underrepresented. And she got her network and her, this uh, woman's name is Laura, um, and, you know, just activated her network online, m- mainly through Reddit and Facebook groups. And we raised enough money to hire the lobbyists and we found a really good um, policy that we th- are, are very uh, hopeful that will pass within a year or two. Uh, just because it's such a good, um, smart policy that everyone seems to be getting on board with around um, helping farmers uh, transition away from animal agriculture to plant-based agriculture, just because of the climate impact and because of all this, you know, um, I'm not going to call it fake meats, but, you know, the Beyond Burger and the Impossible Burger, Mm. it's really resonating on the hill that these farmers are going to be um, you know, left out in the cold. And so we're really making a strong argument that um, we can help these farmers uh, transition away from um, animal um, agriculture to plant-based agriculture. So that's that's something I'm really proud of because it I envisioned it working this way and it actually, you know, worked this way where we're able to give this person a, and, and this group of people a really strong voice. Um, and, and I do have to just also say that we lobbied a, about a year and a half ago for the Institute of Peace. Um, and they're a group that does a lot of conflict resolution. And we went on the Hill, we met with about 30 staffers to try to get more money for this U.S. government agency that does really good work uh, preventing conflict and, and doing like kind of conflict resolution between, you know, potentially warring tribes, countries, whatever. And we were just we were the first people to go in and lobby um, for the budget in, in five or six years. And people really responded well to it. And it was just one of these things that, you know, there's an old saying in D.C., you know, if you're not at the table, then you're on the menu. And this agency had been on the menu for five years and just getting cut and cut and cut. And then all we did was just show up and made a really strong argument. And we were able to get them uh, like two and a half more million dollars to open up an office in Iraq to do a lot of their um, um, very impactful work. So I'm proud of that because I think it made the most, you know, it really made a difference um, and hopefully in people's lives. So the people that you're hiring to actually go out and do this work and um, once you get the crowdfunding, are these traditional lobbyists who work professionally as lobbyists anyway? Yeah. So the guy that we hired with the animal agriculture's name was Ron. And if you look up, um, you know, lobbyists for good, we had a segment on vice news tonight and you can mm. see him talk and he's, uh, he was a staffer for the agriculture committee and he, um, he left the, the Senate and uh, now does a lot of work for disadvantaged and minority farmers. And so we hired him because his, uh, his work kind of aligned with our values and the, what we were trying to do. But eventually we're going to be more effective if we actually have lobbyists in-house and on our staff. So that's kind of the next goal is to, um, is to get actual you know, people who have either been lobbyists or who are currently staffers. And then we don't have to you know, worry about paying the high costs for that fancy office down in D.C. You know, we're a nonprofit and lobbyists traditionally are profit you know, corporations or LLCs. And so if we get people on staff, we can just pay them an hourly rate. And I really think we get more bang for our buck. So that's kind of what we're looking at right now. So traditionally in the past, we've, we've hired people in D.C. who are, you know, have a one, two, five person shop. But we're really thinking, man, we can do a lot of good if we actually had 
a team um, who are, who are lobbyists for good employees. That's great. Is there any more, um, any more like parts of your future that you want to talk about, like where you want to take the company as a whole? I mean, eventually we want to go international. We want to do more state work, but we're really just focusing on making, you know, it's a new concept. It's new. So we're really focusing now on, on proving that it can work at the federal level and the U.S. government. Um, I am excited. There is a new campaign that got funded um, to help pass some of these background check bills to expand background checks. So that's something that we're really thrilled about because it's such a hot topic issue and it's such an important issue for what we're going through here in the States with all of the, you know, gun violence and, um, you know, these, these mass shootings and, you know, the students are, 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 are saying, hey, enough already. We hope we can find a way to help a lot of these students and people who are just passionate about this cause navigate um, a Republican Senate and see how we can and see how we can get some of these bipartisan bills that have like you know ninety percent support of the general public behind them, and how we can get it actually signed into law. I think that's great. I think that's everything we have, Richie. Do you have else? No, that's perfect. That's amazing. I'll include links to um, your website, the Twitter, and that Vice News video as well in the show notes. So if people want to check that out, they can they can learn more, and I would encourage them to do so. That Vice News video in particular was actually really good. Oh um, yeah, thanks, yeah. Billy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys. How's the how's the podcast going? It's I've listened to I've started following you guys. Oh. I think it's hilarious. I think you guys <laughs> great stuff. Oh cheers. Yeah, it's going good. It's going good. We've got a live show in Dublin if you want to come along to that in November. <laughs> find yourself in the country. Add that to the crowdfunding thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll start I'll start I'll start a page, don't worry. <laughs> we'll get you over here. Perfect. Yeah, I was just in Scotland and then I was like, man, we could have just hopped over Dublin said hi. But Oh yeah, why not? Yeah. Next time. Next, Next time. time. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate right. it, guys. No problem. Yeah, but thanks for taking the time. Take care. Thanks, Billy. <laughs> thanks, Billy. That was amazing. He got that up very early on a Sunday morning to talk to us. What a champion. Yeah. Because what he's all champion. the way over in Washington, DC. Fighting the good fight. Lobbyistforgood.com.org. Dot org. Dot org. Dot org. Yeah. Dot limo. One eight hundreds, call for good stuff. It's if you like just shout. If you go around Washington, just shouting L four G. Billy, Billy will come running. You say it or, three times. Say it three yeah, times. In say a it three times in a mirror. He'll also come. Or, um, I personally think skywriting is a lost art. Um, but uh, Billy also agrees with that sentiment and um is a big fan of it. And if you ride out L four G in the sky with a plane um, that's another way of, of reaching out to him I thought you said sky riding and I thought no, sky, you, sky you were riding. starting that's, to that's get that's what ex- I call flying is sky riding well I thought you were starting to get excited about your flight and maybe your prospects of joining the Mile High Club <laughs> are you going to get a really great birthday present up and up I'm not comfortable <laughs> I've never I had ed- sex with my girlfriend shut up <laughs> on the plane I'm going to be editing this next to her so I'll I'll let her edit this part of it and I'll just wiggle my eyebrows at her. <laughs> hey, would you check this, uh, this hey, particular audio? Hey, would you just check this out? If you need me, I'll be in the bathroom. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then you're just going for a poo. Kate, <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I was asking you to finish the edit. God. <laughs> Don't be gross. It's a public place. How rude. What if someone else wants to use the bathroom, Kate? Oh my God. I slammed the door down. If you excuse me, I'm going to masturbate. And I slammed the door. Ah, <laughs> oh, we nearly got through a whole episode without reference to wanking. Uh, next time. Sorry, Billy. Nah, he knows what he was getting into. He's a regular <laughs> that's listener. True. That's true. That's true. Um, okay, yeah, I need to pack up some stuff. So let's finish up. Uh, thank you for listening. If you could follow us on. Uh, Instagram and Twitter at what on politics. Uh, email us what on politics at gmail.com. Uh, or, yes, that's the, that's the email address. <laughs> uh, also, our live show. We have our live show coming up. The 22nd of November in the Workman's Club with the Irish Times Politics Podcast. Mm-hmm. And special guest Lena Norms. Special guest Lena Norms. Yep, so there'll be a link, a link to that in the show notes as well if you can get a ticket to that. And also, Secret Cinema presents Stranger Things, another show. With a very different show, similar production values <laughs> to our live show. Uh, come to that. And if you do come to that, let me know and I'll pop along and say hi. Well, yeah, but more importantly, come to the live show where you're guaranteed to be there and that we are selling tickets for, not the company that you're shilling for. You're lobbying on, on Secret Cinema's <laughs> oh, <God>. behalf. <gasps> you know what? Lobbying's not so bad. I forgot to mention. Oh my God, I can't believe I forgot to mention this. By the way, if you want to find out if you are a lobbyist, go to lobbying.ie and take their three-step test. What? 
I can't believe I forgot to say this. Yeah. Um, they ask you, are you one of the following? An employer, representative body, advocacy group, third party. Are you communicating about a relevant matter, which is like something that's happening at the moment? Are you communicating either directly or indirectly with a designated public official? If you answered yes to all three questions, you are most likely lobbying and you need to register. That's how Ireland deals with that stuff. And then we I'm just looking at it now. I thought this would be like like a BuzzFeed quiz where you click things and at the end you get like a, a meme you are a casino lobbyist. lobbyist yeah you but, um, are a tobacco lobbyist <laughs> you are a turkey charity lobbyist <laughs> oh man I always get turkey charity sometimes I think that's the only option but yeah no it's just I'm on it now and it's just it's just a bunch of text this is boring okay fine <laughs> first then... birthday present ever oh but I learned how to, to design a website not very well Oh, you made this? Yeah. It's terrible. I know. It's for the government. What do you expect? That's true. Okay, I'm going to go pack at least two more pairs of underwear. Bye. Bye. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.